Hello, hello and welcome on The Barricades. This is a podcast produced by Eastern European journalists and academics, and I am your host, Maria Cernat. I am an academic based in Bucharest. And uh, with me, as usual, is the co-host of the show, the Bulgarian-born Polish journalist Boyan Stanislavski. Thank you for being here with us, despite the quote. Yeah, hi. Yeah, I'm a little ill. Sorry about the hat and the outfit. <laughs> and uh, to our special guest, uh, Dr. Stanislav Bishok, uh, he teaches at the Moscow State University. And we invited him to discuss uh, something very interesting. It's aesthetic, but at the same time, it's political. Uh, there is a whole debate around art, if it's only aesthetics or if all art is also politics. And we are referring now to the Oscar-winning documentary Navalny. We are discussing this uh, with somebody from Russia because I think it's very important to have their perspective on this particular uh, individual, on this particular politician, and uh, to see what is their perspective. We've seen time and again the collective West, and especially the United States, conducting all sorts of operations where they wanted to impose the figure of the martyr, the figure of the opponent. They wanted to create this aura of... Um, of uh, opposition and of honesty around the particular character. And uh, I personally remember that when the progressive elites in Romania were thinking that Navalny is their guy, that he's the most progressive uh, uh, left-leaning politician that they can think of, I wrote an article about Navalny saying, guys, you know, he said, pretty interesting things about minorities in Russia. And he had pretty interesting declarations, especially with regards to Chechens. But let us now have Stanislav tell us more about him because you actually wrote something about him and you know some stuff about this guy. Greetings from Moscow and thank you for inviting me. Yes, indeed, it was, my God, uh, 10 years ago. Uh, when I co-authored this book called, uh, jokingly, uh, Navalny, uh, A Man Who Stole the Forest, because back in the day, 10 years ago, he was accused by the authorities of uh, taking part in some uh, corruption-related schemes. And so uh, this corruption had to do with, uh, with timber. So that's, that's, why the, that's why the title, you know, The Man Who Sold the, uh, who sold the World, The Man Who who uh who stole who stole the forest uh but generally speaking when you when you ask about alexei navalny for those who do not know uh, indeed like it or not uh i consider him the the only person in let's say 20 years uh who has challenged vladimir putin in earnest because mm -hmm. as you know we in russia have regular presidential elections uh, have multi-party system, but uh, you cannot accuse uh, those who run for president and those who run for parliament, you cannot accuse them of wanting to, to come to power in earnest. Uh, so uh, it's about uh, certain uh, agreements between those uh, so-called systemic opposition parties and the, uh, and the government structures. It's not about uh, challenging the the regime is not about the 
genuine desire to to come to power so in this case as a political scientist i'm a bit puzzled actually can you call a really political party uh, an entity that does not want to come to power because by definition politics is about is about power not about uh some un, uh, some agreements made uh behind curtains mm -hmm. as for alexei navalny you spoke about honesty and about uh being an opposition figure uh it's a problematic issue because of course he is honest in his desire to to become president he desired to become the leader but if he as if he is a democrat let's say inside his his team it's more questionable but i'm not sure it's it's problematic it's 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 like when you think about for example for example if you think about a, a labor union right a big labor union they want to improve the uh, working conditions of their members in different firms in different factories etc etc so they want to unionize all these entities right but you cannot organize a labor union inside a labor union right so there is a there is a there is a specific line that inside a labor union you have to to obey certain rules at least those labor unions I'm familiar with, they're not, uh, they not that democratic, let's say, inside themselves. They are more, uh, in, uh, they are less flexible inside than they want to, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the businesses uh, uh, to be. That, uh, the same applies to Alexei Navalny. So whether or not he is a liberal democrat inside his organization, I'm not so sure. And all the information that I know, uh, speaks that he is more he's more of a of an undisputed leader at least generally speaking uh -huh. but outside of it of course he is uh, well his his agenda his agenda as uh, is 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 democratic as for the is as for his let's say ideology ideological trajectory yes indeed he has changed a lot uh, in the like 15 years that i've been watching him uh, indeed, initially he was more he was more of a mild nationalist, let us say. And indeed he Mild uh, Stanislav, I mean I saw when I documented the article about him. Um I, I don't want to be rude or anything. Maybe you perceive him as mild because there are others more extreme in Russia, but when I saw what he was saying about the Chechens, that they are uh, you know that they have to, they are pests, they are insects that have to be destroyed. And he also had this movie on his very popular YouTube channel where he simulated killing a member of a minority. So I don't think that's kind of mild. I think that's kind of extreme yes. by my standards. Yes, yes it is. Uh, first of all, uh, he spoke about Chechen terrorists and the guy who uh, was mockingly killing was a Chechen terrorist, who, by the way, later was eliminated by the Russian uh, by the Russian forces. So in this so case, the I Russians mean, kind of took uh, the advice of Navalny, and they did. No, what I mean, he... I mean, back 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 in the day, uh, it was more or less uh, more or less a, a common idea that uh, terrorists, Chechen terrorists, uh, are not freedom fighters. 
Right. So uh, in this case, I mean, Navalny was not uh, too uh, too radical, uh, even even uh, by the by the Russian democratic standards, so to speak. But now nowadays, I mean, the the the, uh, the, the central thing here uh, is what you're referring to took place like in in like 15 years ago or maybe yeah. uh, 13. But his trajectory uh, is indeed uh, towards what we can call uh, left liberalism or uh, the Democratic Party with big big D, Democratic Party liberalism. For example, in 2016, uh, in which it was popular in Russia to support Donald Trump because he was a he was a cool guy. I mean, uh, speaking about like politics and aesthetics, I for, for many people in Russia it was just it was very spectacular. It was a cool American show. Oh, uh, Donald Trump, of course. Uh, well, uh, we are not sure that he could win the election, but he is a cool guy, so we'll support him. And he, uh, Alexander Navalny, uh, uh, that was a bit surprising because being a being a populist, still he said that, of course, uh, uh, Donald Trump would be a bad, a bad choice for America, and he said that Hillary Clinton was something, something, uh, something uh, better. And in 2020, he supported. Well, you cannot like really support a person if you are not a, an American citizen. But still, he he thought that uh, uh, Joe Biden uh, is a better choice. Moreover, his stance on immigration. Uh, changed dramatically. Uh, it was around the year. Uh, it, it it was a funny thing. In uh, 2013, 10 years ago, he ran for the mayor of Moscow. Yes, and yes, and way, he was very popular, isn't it? Uh, he he won like 19 percent of the votes. No, uh, it it was more. It was 27 percent, and oh. he came in second. Moreover, mm -hmm. it was uh, it was even possible that they would have a second tour, because the because his opponent who was supported by by the Kremlin and who who is now uh, the mayor of Moscow, uh, Sergei Sobyanin, uh, he he was around he he won around fifty percent, but then uh, it was by 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 the by the end of the or by the when end of the election day, some thought that it could be a runoff, but still. I mean, there, there was no a runoff, even though there are, there are rumors that Sergei Sobyanin wanted to to prove that he is uh, he's a real man, and he did not mind having a second tour because he was confident that he would win. And by the way, I think he he, he would have won if if the second tour between Sobyanin and Navalny took place. But uh, the rumor says that the presidential administration uh, was very. Reluctant. Uh, and, and no annoyed uh, by the uh, by the support Navalny got, so they decided no, no second tour. I mean that that's okay. So, and uh, to return to the issue of uh, immigration, uh, it's interesting that prior to this uh, uh, mayor, mayoral race, uh, Alexander Navalny indeed was considered, let's say, uh, more nationalist than a regular Russian liberal democrat, right? Uh, but. Uh, in the uh, during his uh, uh, campaign for mayor, uh, he was supported by many whom uh, we call in Russia uh, systemic liberals. And one of the uh, persons who agreed to endorse Navalny and who agreed to uh, write an economic program for him uh, was one Sergei Guriev, 
maybe you know him he is he is one of the of the of the central uh economists in russia who is now living in uh, who had to immigrate uh some eight or so years ago and now he uh he's professor at science paul in uh, in paris and so this person uh who was considered by by the majority of let's say liberal leaning or democratically uh minded russians as a top economist and so this this endorsement uh, meant a lot for alexei navalny but the thing is that this person sergey griev uh was and still is very much pro-immigration guy and uh, the rumor says that the the price uh that alexei navalny had to pay symbolically was that he uh would uh tone down his anti-immigration rhetoric and it's interesting that uh, if you write his uh, uh, program of 2013 it is even 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 less anti-immigration uh, 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 incline anti-immigration than the programs of some of other guys who who ran for mayor even though he still claims that he he is or he was uh, the most ardent critic of immigration but according to this document he was not once again uh, the po politics uh, is uh, is an art of of uh, of possibilities, right? So no, come on, this, this what you're talking about now is an art of deception, really. I mean, this is <laughs> like he's either lying I mean, here or there, like. And yeah, he I, probably I mean, took the the program because he wanted the endorsement, and he played along with the. But deep down, I think he was anti-immigration, but he just fake it a little bit to get into the good grace of the this guy this uh, pol uh, political scientist that wrote his his program yeah it's it's quite possible it's quite possible political animals do it all the time because politics is not about truth it's about uh, getting votes in democracies at least yeah well but that's not exactly the politics we're trying to you know promote uh as a as a kind of concept which uh makes a lot of sense like look i just want to uh, comment very briefly if uh if i if i may now maria if it's a good moment yes of uh, course very briefly Please. because uh you know everything you said is uh pretty interesting i mean some some of the things i wasn't even aware like about uh navalny like with this st stealing the wood or or the forest or whatever i had no idea oh, about yes, this corruption yes scandal. and with yves Rocher, I, he had a very interesting you know saga yeah, cosmetics, yeah, yeah. French but, cosmetics. but that's but it, yeah, exactly. Cosmetics, toiletries, whatever. But but uh, that's uh, that's something I'm you know to some extent at least familiar with. But you know what is what is a bit striking in everything that you explained is you said that in Russia we have those parties which are in agreement with the ruling party or with some you know people who are the real decision makers and they don't really run for power and that it's somehow exceptional. I don't really think it's exceptional. I can give you a whole list of parties in Poland, Bulgaria, Eastern Europe who are not fighting, who are not even trying, not even thinking about getting to power or getting, well, getting some money, maybe, yes, but not power. They just want to run their own little shows with, of course, with the permission of the big guys. There's there's a whole slew of such organizations. So I'm not sure whether this is unique to Russia. I think that what is unique to Russia, according to my knowledge, my analysis, is that fact of the matter is that the majority of the, of the opposition is somehow licensed or controlled, maybe even to some extent. And that's true. Uh, again, I'm not sure whether when you look at, at how things are uh, between opposition and the leadership of a given country in liberal democracies like Poland, I, I think I would like to see some arrangements between them. I mean, some discussion, not just 
everybody being at each other's throats all the time and you know the working class the uh, or the majority of the population paying for it all the time with everything they have all kinds of assets not just money but the state the infrastructure falling apart because of that so uh you know i'm not i'm not so critical against the uh, the, the political arrangement or the political consensus as to how the parliamentary life is run uh, in uh, in Russia, that's that's number one. Second, um, the question of uh, Navalny actually challenging someone. I'm sorry, Stanislav, I I can't quite believe that. I mean, he was a factor during the Moscow mayor elections. I admit that totally, and I think he does have some support, uh, you know, among the <clears throat> urban center, uh, among the population in big urban centers. I I'm not denying that. But I think that in terms of challenging the central power in Moscow, he just doesn't have the capacity in terms of social support. And then he has to make all those shenanigans like now I'm against immigration, then I'm in favor of immigration. I'm going to be this or that. And now the question is, how does he make those choices? Now, it might be so that he's trying to be clever and he's making those choices on the basis of like, you know, day to day arrangements that, you know, has or coalitions that have to be made in order to get some endorsement or in order to score some points in the public sphere. That could be the case. But I think that what is lying behind it is the so-called civic society. I know you're a, you're a big fan of that uh, term, of that notion. I'm not. Uh, but it's based on my bitter experience with the so-called civic society here in Poland, which mostly consists of NGO mafia, uh, which you know, claims to be non-governmental, but actually gets most of the money from governments, various governments, including the Polish one, by the way. And, uh, you know, they are they are looking for people to prop up and to support and to put them on some kind of pedestal so that they realize their interest or the interest of the people who pay uh, the salaries of the activists of those uh, of those NGOs. And I think a large portion of his support comes from those backgrounds. Now, contradict me if you feel that I'm wrong. And and the, the and the third um, the third element, uh, because you know we've spent some time discussing whether he's a liberal Democrat, a mild nationalist, a hardline nationalist, and stuff like that. Now, I want to tell you one thing as a as a, a as a person trying to look at politics in a very materialistic manner, philosophically speaking, not just about the money, <coughs> I don't care what is declared by this person or that person. I mean, I do care, but it's a secondary thing, like what they declare. What defines you in a political system is what your role or your function within that political system is, not what you declare. You can declare anything you like, and then you can change your mind. Programs are important, but programs can be written and rewritten and trashed and written again. What What is his role in the political system? And his role in the political system is to be the great hope of the white people who actually understand, you know, Western civilization, Western values, democracy, civic liberties, freedoms, and all the rest of it. And I'm not saying that all those things are bad. I'm just saying that he's encapsulating those things in a very pathological manner because he is used by the West, willingly or not, I would bet that willingly, uh, so that all those Western values are shoved up, you know, the throat of the Russian public opinion with him and with the support that he's receiving from the West. And uh, for me, this is his primary function in the system, uh, in, in the political arrangement, political arena in Russia. So, uh, yeah, let me just drop it here and, and tell me if you think that there is a, that, that it makes sense. What I what I just described here as an interpretation. Uh, well, uh, of course, you have your arguments and you have uh, your expertise, 
At the same time, when I speak about Alexander Navalny as a challenger, I do not speak that uh, he could win this or that. Because, as you know, in non-democracies, uh, the ruler is uh, the current uh, incumbent is always very popular until he doesn't uh, until he isn't right yeah and all the opposition in non-democracies they're all crooks corruption guys uh puppets of the west uh i mean and uh, just just silly guys i mean that's that's the specific case for non-democracies the leader is always like uh high above the all these uh, uh all these uh pathetic pathetic guys so i mean of course i'm being a bit ironic here uh when i'm speaking about you know uh several years ago i, I think uh, navalny was not in jail at the time uh, uh the spokesman of vladimir putin uh was asked uh, uh, uh was asked uh, what Vladimir Putin thought about Navalny and uh, did Vladimir Putin consider Navalny his his opponent? And the the spokesperson uh, the uh, uh, spokesperson Mr. Peskov said that no, Vladimir Putin does not consider him his opponent. But when asked whom in the Russian politics Vladimir Putin considers his real opponent, uh, the spokesperson. Uh, as smart as he is, uh, did not answer. I mean, he did not find a figure because he thought that, once again, he he's not he's not a stupid guy. He thought that any answer, any precise answer, would be laughable, because everybody knows that. Well, the systemic opposition uh, is not a, an opposition, right? Uh, in this case, well, that's that's what uh, that's what uh, can be called a ch ch uh, uh, being a challenger. And at the same time, all the all the leaders of the systemic parties, they are not in jail and have, has, have never been and I'm not so sure will ever be. Uh, moreover, I mean, those uh, it, it also has to do with the with the precise accusation, because uh, basically uh, in Russia, we do not have like a, a political uh, a political element to the criminal uh, to the criminal code. So every everything that Navalny has been accused of uh, has nothing to do with uh, with politics, but with these uh, uh, crime crimes without vict victims or uh, lack of lack of respect to the court. For example, I think uh, one of the uh, uh, one of the things he is accused of, and uh, one of the th things that he is now uh, in jail for is for. Uh, let's say uh, publicly saying that the the judge is corrupt or something like this uh even though he he did it in his playful manner as always so it was yeah but this Yves Rocher thing is probably real I mean unless we really take it uh like I mean some yes, some, some yes, media outlets have suggested it that they are in bed for, with the Kremlin for, for the viewers because the Guardian ran a very long story this is the first thing Yves Rocher and then I'm gonna move to Crimea and Yves Rocher now the story goes like this. His brother probably was hired by the postal office to deliver the packages for Yves Rocher, but he was somehow making it very hard for the public service to deliver those packages to the consumers. While at the same time, um, members of the family 
of Navalny established an offshore organization that was supposed to double, to do the same thing, to deliver packages from Yves Rocher at a much higher price. Okay. So at the same, he was hired by the public company that should have delivered the packages, but he was making it difficult for the company to deliver the packages. And they came with the solution that is a private company that was charging Yves Rocher four times the price to deliver the packages. That was basically the thing. And this second company was an offshore. Um, there's also an interesting thing about how it was established and uh, all the rest. So even though um, uh, it's somehow like an insider trading, and even though the, the problem is that uh, Yves Rocher didn't notice it at first, but it was not okay from the point of view of all these shenanigans where you destroy a public service to have your own company provide the same service. And um, the second thing is that he gave about Crimea. Now, and he said something like Crimea is not a sausage sandwich to be given away like this or taken away. Crimea is ours, is Russian. So I think, you know, th these two elements are, are, are worth discussing. Yeah, but what's controversial about it? I mean, Crimea is Russian. Has always been pretty much. I mean, I don't know. Like, yes, I, maybe yes, I'm not yes, getting something. Boyan, Boyan, but in Romania, for instance, uh, there are liberal leftists who think that uh, Navalny is pro-LGBT, that he's going to, you know, liberalize everything. He's going to approve of gay marriage the center's Kremlin, he's going to give Crimea back to the Ukrainians the second he enters Kremlin. They yeah, have but where are they getting it from? Picture. This is why I wanted to talk to Stanislav and somebody from Russia, because, you know, portraying Navalny as a martyr projects into the people's mind a very rosy picture about this guy. And I'm not saying that he hasn't got some real, you know, positive, uh, you know, characteristics, so to speak. I'm not saying that we should portray him exclusively negatively here, but we should paint him more realistically. This is why I wanted to have somebody from Russia and moreover with some experience to discuss these matters. Yeah, indeed. So uh, uh, Navalny is not static and he is not statist. Uh, well, uh, as for his stance on LGBT and etc., this applies. The, uh, this is the, the same as with the with being a liberal democrat inside his organization. I think he's a he's a let's say mildly homophobic, <laughs> if you excuse me. But uh, whether or not he would uh, allow uh, gay prides etc. etc. if if in power, of course he would. Because he distinguishes between his personal attitudes and, uh, like, let's say his uh, uh, his his thoughts about what's good for for the for the society. That's that's for sure. And uh, I know it's not even a rumor. It's uh, uh, I know a guy who worked for his team for several years, and he uh, told me several anecdotes about Alexei Navalny and his attitude towards certain certain things, certain people and certain groups of society, so to speak. So he is, he is not dogmatic 
uh, inside his uh, inside his inner circle, so to speak. As for Crimea, look, uh, indeed, uh, Navalny said back in 2013, I guess 2014, that indeed Crimea is not a sausage to uh, be uh, taken and given just at will. But he did not say it's not a sausage because it's Russian and has uh, has always been, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it was not his it was not his words. He said that just uh, it's uh, it's it's wrong to uh, just make people uh, change nationality every two years or so, given the fact that by 2014, by the end of 2014, the like 99% of the Crimeans got Russian nationality. So just it, it would not be uh, reasonable for, for any politician to, to claim that, okay, like, they're Ukrainian now again. So forget about your Russian, Russian passports. So this, this statement was very much uh, uh, a political one. But recently, it was, I think, a month ago or so, uh, Navalny from jail, uh, he, uh, he wrote a, a document, uh, a memorandum of sorts, on, on, uh, on the future of Russia on, and on the future of the Russian-Ukrainian conflict, in which he stated uh, explicitly that uh, Ukraine uh, should be recognized in its 1991 borders. He did not mention Crimea, but just by definition, if we speak about 1991, we speak not about Donbass being Ukrainian, but also Crimea. And this raised certain controversies, uh, but not in the liberal camp, uh, of Russians, because the liberal camps uh, were uh, people who, whom I consider like part of this camp. They were, at the time, they were very much relieved. Oh, at least he said that he he dropped this uh, rhetoric of uh, of a sausage, and now he speaks like a real. Now thing. he wants it to be a sausage. I understand because he wants this turned back to Ukraine. So like he's contradicting himself again. I'm sorry. Like I just yeah. I mean. Notice. I mean. Yeah, true, sure. He, he, he isn't, yeah, I'm not sure that he he claims to be an uh, a master of logic or something like this. Once again, it's, <laughs> it, 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 you said it. You said it. Okay. You said it. Well, it, 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 it's politics. Sometimes, sometimes you you say that you uh, are not planning to to attack your neighbor, but next next day you di- you do right. Uh, one time you you accuse the Western. Uh, intelligence for uh, spreading fake news about your intentions and then next day you just uh, realize your intentions so i mean that's yeah but but uh, guys for the end of the program can i just ask one question which i think uh you know is is the kind of denominator for um for everything that we said here and is also a kind of um you know mine and yours maria inspiration if i could if, if one could could use this word here uh, to to actually make this program about Navalny because he's by by far not really the uh, hero of my story or anything like that. But you know th- this Oscar extravaganza that went on for like two weeks or something uh, recently because of the documentary and everything. Like I if if I when I sometimes try to put myself in 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 the sho- in the shoes of a of a Russian citizen. Okay, to the extent that it's possible to imagine it for me and stuff like that. I would be super irritated 
if I had the West constantly, you know, stuffing Navalny with a shovel up my neck, up my throat, saying that he's the great, he's the best, he's like the guy that you have to be looking up to and so on and so forth, regardless of everything we've said so far, he's got negative things, positive things, like, you know, you, Maria, said that he might be even a sympathetic person, uh, per, like personally in a, in a kind of social contact could be. I, but what I'm, what I'm trying to say here is that, you know, the West seems to be achieving with its overzealousness is achieving an effect which is opposite to the desired one. I mean, in my opinion, judging by everything I can see available in the public domain in Russia, I can see that everybody's tired with it and some people are just getting increasingly annoyed by, by this, uh, as I said, stuffing up uh, Navalny. Mm, up, and and you there's know, also, the you know, opinions. Stanislav, sorry, Boyan, there's also this sorry. perception that if, you know, <laughs> so-called uh, uh, fair elections will be held tomorrow, he would win. He's just around the corner, you know, to win the elections and become the next president. And he's just this close to winning the power in, in Russia. This is the perception. Well, the perception is wrong, of course. But it, as I said, that uh, it's a feature of not all non-democracies. The incumbent is always super popular, according to any opinion polls. I mean, that, that's a feature. Until he isn't, he's super popular, right? So it's, uh, uh, but, but, but indeed, even according to, uh, let's say, to, to opposition or to independent opinion polls, uh, like the, uh, the support for Navalny is around 5 or 7% or something like this. Uh, it, it's, it's true. At the same time, I mean, this, uh, this celebration of Navalny by, by the West, I mean, it's also understandable because uh, you cannot ask a foreigner to know very deep uh, the Russian politics. The same applies, for example, when I'm in, I don't know, when I'm in Serbia, for example. I know a couple of politicians and I uh, have certain opinion about them, but the Serbs inside Serbia say, oh, no, they are bad people. This is a corrupt guy. This is a stupid, I don't know, alcoholic, etc., etc. But there are other people. But for me, as a foreigner, uh, it's, uh, it, it's a weird thing because, uh, you know, I associate this or that country with one, two, three politicians. And uh, I'm not sure that I want to delve deeper into the, uh, into the uh, minutes of, of, of this uh, uh, of this political uh, of the uh, of their uh, political life the same applies to the west i mean what uh previously like 20 years ago uh there were maybe three three uh, uh names of politicians that uh, an average western person thought uh, thought uh, uh knew in russia like yeltsin putin and zhirinovsky right <coughs> now it's putin navalny and uh, i don't know prigozhin I guess maybe. so. It's it's. If he's a politician, yeah. I mean, I mean, so so so. Uh, welcome to Russia. Uh, but but the, the Prigozhin is somehow of a titular head of an organization, but he's not really the military head. He's some sort of representative. It is very weird. Maybe the we should owner. have you on discussing also this character because he's very colorful <laughs> and interesting. And he yeah, can cook well. I heard. It's a bit, it, it's a bit dangerous, I guess. <laughs> I mean, ah, I'm, I'm okay. not, I'm not, I'm not deep. I'm not deep into into the uh, Wagner group, uh, but generally, I mean, just as as one of the examples of Russia's current political situation, I think uh, uh, it's he he's worth mentioning. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's conclude it here. Uh, 
Maria, you want to give yeah, the last uh, closing remarks? Well, I think to the viewers is very interesting and important to um, to have the perspectives of people living in Russia because uh, I am often very frustrated. For instance, now that Romania was put on the map by Adrian Tate, for instance. And uh, I saw people and famous YouTubers discussing Romania. And of course, uh, when I hear them discuss, I think, oh, these people are so, so far away from the truth. They have no idea. And this is why it's, it's very important to discuss, especially political uh, issues and political personalities with people actually living in that country because, like it or not, they know best. And uh, I'm very happy that Stanislav, who also authored, co-authored the book about uh, Navalny, was able to come and share his impressions on, on this guy. So thanks a lot for watching. Uh, if you liked what you saw, please support us. Go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash the barricade. We have a small community of donors to whom we are very thankful. And um, thank you again for being here with us. Uh, stay healthy, keep fighting, and we'll see you all next week. Yeah, and subscribe to our Substack. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye.